0: Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of QSR Uncut. I'm your host, Danny Klein, the editorial director here at QSR Magazine and joined by my colleague and co-host Ben Coley, who by the way just got a uh, title promotion recently. He is now senior editor of, uh, I guess you just say QSR and FSR, it's a whole thing. We uh, are part of a new company now, which by the time this airs will be very uh, widespread news, so exciting times for us. We're not going to get into that though because that is not why we're here today. We are actually here today to interview Ian Jacobson, who's president of Eco Products. So definitely a um, departure from some of the podcasts we typically do, you know, technology or just the brands themselves. But I think that's actually kind of the point here because it's a really good perspective, I think. We get asked about a lot. We used to do, um, I guess we would call them packaging awards. We're going to bring it back next year. But the idea that you would go through what's happening in this world of off-premise revolution and also sustainability be important you're obviously not doing any of this without packaging so (laughs) you know ian i'm sure you agree with that point but i'll give you a chance here just to introduce yourself and the company a little bit and we'll get into it
1: yeah well hey it's great to be here today i really appreciate it danny and ben congratulations on the on the promotion
2: appreciate that Uh,
1: Danny, I love that you lead off with the QSR Innovation Awards. We we take those pretty seriously, and I think you yeah. go back through the past winners. I think Eco Products, whether first, second, or third, there was a couple years where we were the food service package of the year. I think we yep. might be the yep. most decorated company per that award system so i know uh,
0: we got to bring it back next year and i don't remember why it didn't happen this year it's just one of those things but but yeah that's you're definitely right about that
1: (laughs) yeah definitely something we take seriously and again fpi obviously helps in that process so yeah for those that aren't familiar with eco products uh we're a division of the novel company which is a, a very large diversified uh packaging company Um, And the Eco Products Division, which I run, is focused on what we'll call environmentally preferable alternatives to conventional food service packaging. And that sounds broad, and it is. And one of the things that we're proud of is it's one of the largest consistently branded bundles in food service packaging. So it'll be everything from cold cups and hot cups to to to-go containers and cutlery. Uh, We'd like to joke that in a cafeteria environment, it could be everything you'd put on a tray, including the tray could be manufactured from e- either compostable or post-consumer recycled content. And so with that approach, and just given a lot of the tailwinds that we've seen in the markets, uh, it's been an absolute growth story. Um, I've been with the company now uh, since 2010, and during that period of time, it's it began as an Inc. 500 grower and continues to be uh, a, a celebrated growth story and particularly as we're as we're increasingly doing work with you know qsr type accounts as well as just traditional core food service you know through the likes of uh, you know cisco or u.s foods
0: you know we're actually part of an inc 5000 company now is uh, with wtwh media who is our new owner it's kind That's of exciting yeah never, it's uh, good it's, it's
1: hard to keep the challenge is it's hard to keep up right the bigger that you get via growth the harder it is to grow by a big number and so at a certain point in time, you just have to give it up. But it doesn't mean you don't continue to grow. But congrats on that.
2: I suppose, you know, one piece to pull out of this, you know, whole sustainability question is, you know, what, you know, cities and municipalities have done as far as, you know, regulations and requirements and stuff when it comes to compost compostable packaging. you know, from your perspective, you know, over the, you know, the past decade or so, what have you kind of seen, you in terms of, you know, what the, the government response has been you know what to what they what's required and you know the the um the response or the the solutions that you're able to provide you know in response to what may or ver- what may come down from um these on um, these political you know decisions
1: yeah that's a great question and honestly probably the one that will be on the tips of most people's tongues as it applies to packaging going forward for for really for years to come because to your point the the pace of legislation. Is accelerating. And whether that is at the municipal level in terms of specific bans or at the state level in terms of extended producer responsibility, we are seeing legislation accelerating. And one of the challenges that we face is that they're very inconsistent in terms of their approaches and their goals, while many of the partners that we work with operate in all 50 states. And so the question of, well, what's the best answer? What's the right answer? And what people hate to hear is, it depends. And so that's where, from an eco products perspective, it comes back to our approach of innovation, right? Our goal is to make sure that we are coming up with solutions that will work for, whether it's at the municipal level or at the state level or at the national level. And those will be reflective of infrastructure, for sure. I mean, when we think about compostability, um, and again, a lot of times internally, we talk about the challenge in packaging is more often than not, we talk about product attributes right is this recyclable is it made of recycled content is it compostable right those things are inherently true for the package but the reality of whether or not it can be recycled or whether it can be composted requires both infrastructure and in many cases a change in behavior not just from the operator but from the consumer themselves and so a lot of things that we wrestle with is it's very straightforward for us to be able to provide a package that meets the attributes that a municipal requirement is going to dictate. Uh, it's something else for us to work together to try to get that change in behavior from procurement, from the store level operations and from the consumer themselves to actually get those products either recycled or composted.
2: Right. Yeah. Change of behavior. That's the key thing that I want to you know ask about next. And I want to take it from the operator perspective to just kind of over time, you know, how have you kind of have you have you noticed you know operators you know becoming you know more you know accepting of this packaging and also i was curious you know as to their motivation you know to want to go towards sustainable packaging cuz i you know i think we'd all would like to think that it's for altruistic reasons but it, you know it may be more so for you know cost reasons or like like we was saying earlier because like political reasons like there's certain mandates that are being um passed down. So I guess, you know, what have you kind of seen from the shift in operators mindsets when it comes to sustainable um, packaging, what their, their main goals are?
1: Yeah, again, great questions. And it starts from what we've seen from a commitment standpoint. And I would say that the public facing commitments that we've seen from some of the largest QSRs and brand owners typically revolve around the well i'll call the the the, the winner's circle of sustainability is reusable recyclable or compostable mm-hmm. and we've seen commitments whether it's from a brand owner to uh, to the qsr themselves of saying they'll, the dates will vary but typically it's they will hundred percent of our packaging will be reusable recyclable or compostable by call it 2030 right a lot of those dates that are out there um, those the size of the brands that are making these commitments don't make those types of things lightly. So your question around what's driving those commitments, we firmly believe it's 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 a, it's a consumer expectation. And I think that when we wrestle with the challenges of single-use packaging and how to keep them out of the landfill and all of the coverage, and we go back to what we all went through in COVID, right? That we were suddenly working and living at home which meant that everything we brought with us to ultimately to the waste station was for us to figure out what we were going to do and I'll use waste station as a wonky term in most cases it's just the trash can in your kitchen right and i think for most consumers experience that thing filled fast and often and yeah. probably faster and more often than anybody was used to dealing with when if you were in a city if you were at a restaurant if you were at the office you would discard and and move on about your day so i think that that there was that 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 very personal interaction with the waste stream that triggered a lot of consumers. But it would be a mistake not to say a lot of those goals we're talking about were announced before COVID. Mm-hmm. And again, so those goals are real. I think the goals are grounded in the brand owner's assessments of where consumers are going. But I think you started the question with, you know, some of this suspect around behaviors and, and how are brands and, and, uh, particularly QSR restaurants, engaging with the legislation, and we've seen a a meaningful change, right? Because we can go back to 2010 when um, material bans really started to roll out. Uh, San Francisco, for one, uh, Seattle was quick to follow. And I would say for the first five years, it was noted and yet not really inciting folks to action. I think there was a skepticism to say, "Is this real? Is this sustained? Does this mean me? Do I have to change?" And I think what we're seeing now is more of a recognition that there is a need to comply. That the fines are real. The fines are increasing, right where the fines are applied. But somewhere in between this carrot and stick of you know, brand value of doing the right thing and making that that point of discard. Less burdensome to a a consumer that cares around where the package goes. Um, There's certainly some of that, but I do think there there is a a intention to comply. That we're seeing more of that from the restaurateurs' perspective in a lot of these impacted markets.
0: What's um, Ian? What is your background? I mean, how long have you been involved in this? I mean, did you have a? Did you always think you were going to get into eco packaging, or what? How did you kind of come up through the?
1: Yeah, I. I got my start in in transactional finance, if you can believe that. I, I was an investment banker and became a private equity investor and uh, was responsible for the green segment. So I spent a number of years looking at growing brands that were either at Whole Foods or they were involved in green building products, um, and that led me to eco products back in the oh eight oh nine timeframe and uh, kind of late two thousand nine. We it was a it was a business that I was pretty excited about investing in. And due to a number of of, uh, set of circumstances, uh, the firm I was working for wasn't confident in the risk profile and ultimately backed away from the deal. And I kept a good relationship with the CEO at the time and ultimately uh, were able to work out a situation where I would join as the CFO. And that was back in 2010. Um, But I'd say prior to that, I was a consumer of packaging. I was not, had knew nothing about the flows, right? How distribution works, how contracts work, how, right? The role of innovation and scale. And I'd say that's probably the biggest thing, you, right? The role yeah. of scale in packaging.
0: Yeah, I mean, how how different was it back then compared to now in terms of this kind of builds off of Ben's question that you go now to talk to a brand and I I imagine you're doing a lot less convincing now that this is something they should do. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a little bit easier, although I also imagine they're more demanding in terms of what they want, how quick they want it and the scale that they want it. But just the fact that you're You're probably not walking the room going, you know, you can't have this many plastic cups, you know, filling up the waste baskets around the market or or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, there were there certainly in the early days we spent a lot of time having to introduce the concept of this is compostable, right? In in the early days, it was a cup made of corn. Isn't this unique, right? Uh, Over time, it evolved to say. The cup, when used in tandem with the, the full bundle of packaging that ecoproducts would provide, is a vehicle to keep food waste out of the landfill. We certainly weren't talking about it in those terms in 2010. Initially, it was just innovative that you could make a cup out of something that was out of renewable resources. The evolution to front of house food waste happened over time. Uh, and that had a lot to do with some of the high-profile success stories that we as EcoProducts, Products were able to um, achieve. I'd start with the 2010 Winter Olympics was probably the first high-profile zero-waste event where they made sure that everything going into that venue was compostable so that everything that came out could go to a commercial composter. And that that approach was mirrored in Seattle with the Mariners. And then through partnership, we've been able to mirror that with the Twins and with the Seahawks and with, you know, a variety. I'd be remiss to leave out CU athletics here. Folsom Field was the first college, um, you know, D1 athletics that was able to do that. Um, so it's a combination of proving out these success stories that I think are, are now kind of wi- in wider regard. But to your point, um, we definitely spend less time today trying to explain what we do. Um, I'd say the frustration today is that most of our sales calls will go along the lines of, we know we need to do this, but... (laughs) And then the but always changes. Uh, And again, the the concerns are there, right? Do I have infrastructure? Am I ready for the change? Are my franchisees ready for the change? Is it going to cost me more? How do I justify it, right? So we work through, honestly, anyone and uh, all of those.
0: yeah, we we wrote a story months ago. At this point, this was basically a, to what we're talking about. This movement had been coming before COVID, and then the you know the rush to kind of deliver stuff to go and through delivery and curbside, et cetera. You really had now single use plastics came back into the fold yeah. just because people had to get what they could as quickly as they could. And do you think now now though, from what I hear from a lot of operators, is that we had to do that then, but now we're going to pay more attention. We're going to go back to being yeah. more, you know, sustainable. Um, do you think, you know, obviously that period of time was very unique, hard to compare it to anything. And hopefully we never do it again. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but do you think that that's starting to accelerate now? You know, we're almost getting back to it being really high level for folks as opposed to, you know, they were just trying to get packaging. I mean, I taught talk, we talked to a couple brands where, they weren't able to get branded packages in anymore. They couldn't you know, right. put their name on the pizza box and all this type of stuff. They were just doing whatever they could for a while there. But are we kind of moving now back into being a little more cognizant of, of what your food is showing up as?
1: Absolutely. I would tell you the, with that change in where consumers were eating – came a very disruptive period from a supply chain standpoint, as probably anybody listening to this program experienced. Right? It wasn't just empty shelves when we were all looking for toilet paper. It very quickly came to where am I going to get these packages? And that evolved in really strange ways, right? Because for those that were food pack, food service packaging in the US is a mix of import and then domestically manufactured. Uh, And it was a really unique moment in time where the ports were jammed up enough that the importers couldn't get enough stuff in and the domestic manufacturers couldn't manufacture because they didn't have labor, right? We had COVID outages. There was this time of crisis that, to your point, used to rely on, on food service packaging as the billboard for your brand. And we went through a period of time where that just wasn't the case, right? You were lucky to get a cup. Many folks did not have the choice of... What to make it out of, and could they brand it the way they were used to? We're definitely through that now,
2: and well, I think good. the exactly. question
1: you're asking is: so, what will those choices look like going forward? Right? Will we reprioritize sustainability? Will we reprioritize? Because in some cases, there were people that wanted foam and couldn't get it, and were coming to you know greener alternatives just because that's what they could get. Right? It was that chaotic through. Uh, you know, that 2020, 2021 window. So today, what we see both in the research, um, we're, we're, we're seeing good studies in terms of, of, of by operator type, their approach to the environmental category. And there's a recognition from operators that this is important. And it's something that we've been saying for a number of years, that if you're going to go for the lowest cost package possible in terms of what you're going to present to your guests, There's many guests that are going to be concerned about what other price cutting you're doing behind the counter, and I think it's a clear signal to your guests that not only are there there, there's brand inherent choices around sustainability, but also just the premium and performance of the package matters. And I think we've seen that in the research um, very clearly that you know uh, a because competition is is so intense that a poor performing package will impact a consumer's desire to go back to a restaurant. We've, we've definitely seen that, particularly with the importance of delivery. Um, but we're also seeing research that supports consumers will pay a, a, a premium. We can debate how big a premium, uh, but for higher performing packaging and also for environmentally preferable packaging.
2: Yeah, so of going off of, you know, what you just said there. Um, what is the sort of, uh, I guess, um, the next frontier of packaging? You know, what, I guess, what are you guys kind of seeing as, you know, developing over the next, you know, couple of years? Is there anything you guys are kind of like experimenting with or, or piloting? You know, what is kind of kind of future hold in this particular space?
1: Yeah. Um, so the, the innovation is the core of what we do at EcoProducts, right? Going back to the awards from how we would trial different things from a shape perspective, But what I go back to is that winner circle, right? Recyclable, compostable, or reusable. And so when we're talking about our development work, it's really in each of those three. And I think the compostability is always going to be close to our hearts at Eco Products just because of the ability. Compostable packaging has the unique potential to help keep food waste out of the landfill. And when food waste goes to the landfill, it generates methane gas, which is very impactful. So it is unique among packaging in its ability to solve for that environmental challenge. Um, so, from an innovation standpoint, we're always looking for ways that we can improve performance, right? Some of the challenges of compostable packaging is barrier properties, right? Can it take heat? Can it take, right? So, we'll innovate around those things, but we always have an eye on cost. And I think it is one of the challenges when we talk about innovation is that a lot of the newer things typically are subscale and therefore going to cost more. And we're always mindful of how do we make sure we get the most effective product to an operator at the most affordable price. So um, big focus for us is pushing forward from a molded fiber standpoint. We're incredibly proud of this uh, product line called Vanguard, which is uh, many of your consumers are probably aware of concerns around PFAS, which is a fluorinated chemistry we use for grease resistance. Um, certainly something that almost anybody who's been tracking uh, QSR packaging will be aware of the, the, the studies that have been done and some of the lawsuits that have followed um, as people are increasingly concerned around that. Um, Vanguard is the first green screen certified Uh, compostable molded fiber package Um, that is an alternative again very very proud and seeing great growth in that line Mm. Um, but again we'll also iterate around reusables not just as a product right as an attribute but as a service model right how can we think about providing that as a service to keep things fresh for the operator
2: i know um there's a lot of um different like certifications, you know, associated with your field. And, you know, there's a couple here. I was hoping you kind of like, just kind of go over and explain, you know, what that means that, you know, Eco Products, you know, has this particular, um, you know, designation. And one of them is the um, the green screen certified silver des- um, yeah. designation. And also the other one. Oh, sounds certified.
1: Cool, yeah. This- yeah. Sounds cool. And it's one of the, again, we're incredibly proud because it was an intense amount of work. And it really comes from the fact that a lot of chemistries that are are typically used are evaluated for performance and cost. And it's very rare for there to be a conversation around uh, human health impacts. Right, A lot of these things are are generally accepted as safe. Um, And the green screen approach is actually the opposite of that. Things are generally viewed as concerning unless you can work with a toxicologist to evaluate at the subcomponent of the chemistry level that whatever's going into that, that package has been reviewed by independent toxicologists to say this this should not be harmful to human health, right? And I can t- the bar is high. I tell you that water is probably the only thing that everybody can agree on is, is not harmful to human health. Everything else is just a matter of degrees. Um, And so to that end, extremely proud of that green screen certification. Um, But certification is an incredibly important part of our industry. I'd say not just in terms of that green screen performance for the product, but from our perspective, the certification for compostability, because a lot of the challenges that we face is consumer confusion, which leads to contamination at the composter. And so that is one of the fundamental pieces that we wrestle with and try to show leadership. Because if we send contaminated loads to composters that have, you know, a mix of PET and conventional plastic all mixed in with compostable plastic, at the end of the day, that's just a mess that the composter has to deal with. It costs money, ultimately, in, in certain instances, can take entire loads of, of organic waste and send them to a landfill, which is what we're all trying not to do. So that certification process for the products is critically important. And we're we're full supporters of the Biodegradable Products Institute and their markings, the BPI. We also work with CMA, which is the uh, Compost Manufacturers Alliance, right? These These are certifications that your operators should be asking about if they're planning to do front of house composting, making sure that they've got certified product. I think the last thing I would point to we're also proud of is that we're a certified B corporation, right, yeah. um, which, again, is that third-party assessment that our practices and our approach is mindful of both people, planet, and profit.
0: So, you know, I want to build on something uh, from Ben a couple of questions ago when you're just kind of talking about what's next in packaging. One specific question that I have is straws because... <laughs> The, the paper straw, so the compost, compostable bowls that you see at a lot of salad chains and things, you know, kaba, whatever, those are great. You know, I don't, I've never met anyone who ate out of one of those and was like, oh, what is this material? This is ruining my experience. <laughs> but the paper straw is a different story, right? Because, you know, you start to use it, a couple of minutes go by, you're biting it, you know, half of it stopped working. And, yeah, I mean, how much work is being done there? Because that so many restaurant chains over the years – We'll come out with a release like we want to eliminate plastic straws by X-Day, you know, Starbucks, I think. And, and you know, and then you're talking about, you know, some crazy number amount of out of the landfill. I always get kind of lost in some of these waste uh, numbers that restaurants throw at us because you're like, wow, what are we talking about? <laughs> but, but just talk about straws in particular. I and mean, yeah. is, is that something that's being actively done? I mean, I'm sure restaurants are very much paying close attention to that world because not everyone's going to be able to design a cup that doesn't have a straw like some of these brands have
1: no doubt yeah we we joke having lived through it we called it straw right it was that uh 2018 when the, the the video of the turtle with the straw up his nose that went viral yeah, yeah i actually remember was that which is sad I mean, it was a transformative call to action it was yeah. uh shocking to see the impact. Few things in packaging have been as impactful as that viral video. And one of the challenges was, again, this comes back to the scale conversation, right? When overnight everybody says, I need a different straw, the industry has to respond and that takes time. And I would say one of the, the, the most disappointing things that occurred is that the rush to paper straws Cared nothing about quality. It was all about is it paper or not. It had very little to do with performance. And so I, I think you and 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 probably many people listening know that they're not all paper straws are created equal. <laughs> and so I would, okay. there, it, it's it's uncomfortable because that rush to get the paper straw led so many people to import very low quality paper straws. Uh, and to the point where most people associate paper straws now with poor performance. And I can assure you that's not the case, right? You can get high-performing paper straws. Um,
0: it's really interesting to hear it from your angle, though, because it, as the consumer, I think what you said right there is very true, that I think we all kind of think paper straws aren't so good now.
1: <laughs> yeah, very, very much. <laughs> it's a
0: joke. And how that happened, you know, it seems like a little bit of a cautionary tale. and 100%. You- and, and I guess, I mean, do you take that approach to other things that are going on? I mean, one, you know, one topic that comes up a lot, you know, now we actually did a environmental issue in uh, June, July. 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 Yeah. July. I can't keep track of dates, but, you know, reusables was something that, um, you know, just salad is really into and that other chains are looking at but it's a little bit difficult with with to get that going at a high level you know and to get the consumer used to it and remembering to bring their bowl you pretty much have to incentivize them like they do to do so but basically just that they were speaking of it as being on the mind now of of brands you know from that level and i mean i guess what you know what would you say in terms of products right now you know consumers need to understand are coming and they're going to get better and they're going to keep improving You know, hold with us on this
1: <laughs> yeah the stay with us yeah conversation um boy that's a that's a great question and it applies i think across so many elements of packaging to say stay with us is probably a tagline that we should have as an industry uh, because yeah. the reality is a single-use packaging does a lot of things very effective, right? Not only from a branding perspective for the operator, the portion control, the cleanliness argument that suddenly became top of mind in the last three years, uh, but this the portability and ultimately the experience of keeping products either fresh or keeping them hot, keeping them crispy, keeping them cold. Right? These are things that are not easy to solve for and that the industry has spent decades working on. And I think one of the, when I, when I agree with you to say, stay with us is because as the industry, we are now grappling with end of life in a way that we didn't 10 years ago. And it was certainly didn't talk about at all 20 years ago. Yeah. And so now we are saying, okay, what's going to work and what's going to work at scale. And I, I know we've used that word a number of times here. And I think to your point, one restaurant that's gonna do a reusable program that's putting all of the burden on the consumer will have some success. But to get to the true success where this is a a transparent process for the consumer requires scale beyond just one consumer, one restaurant. So where we've seen reuse work best is in controlled environments. Um, there's classic examples here in Colorado right now from uh, some live music venues that are now moving all reusables and the consumer doesn't even know Uh, they're just having a great time and the operators closed it and it's worked when you start talking about to go right there's there's much more challenges from an operating standpoint to make sure we've got replenishment models at work Um, lots of things that we're wrestling with uh, behind the scenes to try to figure out how best to correct but I would say writ large packaging is a stay with us because whether we figure out how to put recycling systems in place or whether we figure out how to do commercial composting system in place, these things take time. These are infrastructure conversations that will vary market by market. And it's true where here in Boulder, we can recycle and compost different things than what you can recycle and compost in Denver, right? So these are inherently gonna be regional conversations. And I think it goes back to a point I should have made originally when you were talking about how brand owners have changed. The most important thing is the the end of the 50-state solution, right? I think there was a belief 15 years ago that we were going to put out an RFP and it was going to be the hot cup that we were going to use in all 50 states. And I think the change that we've seen now in legislation and infrastructure and consumer experience says, as a brand owner, I'm probably going to need to have different versions of that cup depending on where my store is located. And so from that, that's that game yeah. changer.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to think about that. It's... You know, you mentioned earlier, um, you mentioned the word tagline. It got me thinking um, about marketing and how to market sustainability and the sustainability of packaging. You know, I guess what's the, what's the key there, you know, how to communicate effectively, you know, what needs to be done and why it needs to be done. Is particular, you know, strategies that you guys kind of, uh, you know, use, I guess, to how to talk, you know, through these things, you know, to the consumer and, you know, to operators. I just wrote a tagline,
0: you know, stay with us. And so we're going to we're gonna put that on, on
1: something. Call the FPA, Food Service Packaging Institute. <laughs> stay. Yeah. Branders, the marketing people I work with are probably kicking me. No, here's five reasons why that's a bad idea. Um, yeah, communication's yeah, well, key. I think, Ben, I'm not exactly sure where you're going with that, but again, I think one of the things that's been critical to eco product success is the focus on making sure we're using each of these packages as an opportunity to have a conversation. And I think the best QSRs recognize that early, that this, there's, a, there's a, a quiet moment between your brand and your customer that occurs when they're between bites staring at that package or staring at that cup. And I think that's an opportunity. And I think the best operators recognize that and use it to full effect. Um, our approach is to say, if you're not there in terms of your branding story, we can still help you have a conversation. We can talk about impacts from packaging and, and why your choice of an eco-products cup or a container speaks to a broader movement. I think that's, that's been a critical part of our approach. And not to say that one's good or one's bad, right? The, our brand strategy has never been preachy. It's never been around picking winners and losers. It's about talking about trade-offs. And that, that, that element of choice, again, critical to how Novalex approaches packaging writ large is to say innovation choice and sustainability are the cores and with a heavy emphasis on choice. And I think that um, those choices are made by operators, they're made by consumers. And I think how we message and, and, and make the most out of those moments matter. Yeah, you know, I, I
0: haven't heard, I mean, this is probably true ever. and I mean, obviously, whether or not people admitted this or, you know, I do think it's accurate now. But, you know, I've never talked to a restaurant chain who told me I want more food waste or I don't want to be sustainable or I don't care about the environment. And also, you know, yeah. Gen Z customers and their thoughts don't matter to me at all. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I, I think it's one of those things that's starting now to take care of itself. You know, I, I think it's a logistical battle. You know, and I think also you mentioned earlier a little bit and just in terms of performance of packaging, you know, whether or not you can put, I mean, if you go back five, six years, I remember IHOP talking about the fact that they weren't going to do this because, you know, you really can't put a pancake into a package without it steaming itself into something terrible. And that's, and that's all changed now, right? Because now I, you got totally pack, I mean, shot. you've got packaging that can just deliver breakfast. Um, yeah you know, living steak, of, uh, all that kind snooze. of
1: stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah, snooze, yeah. Snooze is big on that, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, is that, would you say that's almost as much as something that you hear from brands is how do we get packaging to make our food work traveling as much as they do to really talk about this eco part? They obviously all want this together in one thing that works. Um, but, I mean, how are those are living in harmony now, I would I would think.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And to your point, one of the advantages that this movement has is time and that the time is, to a certain degree, it's, it's on our side in that the elementary, here in Boulder, right? You start talking about waste diversion in at the elementary school level, right? And so those, but fast forward however many years... For most of us, the college experience was where we were being introduced to sustainability and trade-offs and right there's very, there's a very vocal movement on most campuses that are you know, whether it's the whole campus or a pocket of it that are gonna be talking about these trade-offs and and influencing that campus behavior. That was ten years ago, right? These people, those graduates are now moving into procurement roles and senior roles. So to your point, when you know, why are we wrestling with this less, I think it's because decision-makers that have been basically immersed in these alternatives at an early age are now becoming decision-makers in the industry. Um, But your point about performance, that's the one you never get away from, right? If, if, If we come out with the world's most environmentally, you know, zero LCA impact, right? Carbon negative, but yet it falls apart in the hands, it's a failure right uh, there environmental performance will never trump consumer experience and that's one of the things we learned early right it, it also it's going to duke it out with price but it will never trump performance and so uh yes i think we do spend a lot of time trying to combat false perceptions around performance of some of these packaging types um but to a certain extent many of us now have, have had it and we realize it performs well and Um, I think it's, again, that's one of the elements where time's on our side as well. It's not a fringe. It's, it's an everyday.
0: Yeah. Some of that reminds me of the conversations we've had on here with people about plant-based food or, you know, fake, fake meat, so to speak, is that they're battling the uh, perception of the fact it doesn't taste good. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, and going from there and trying to get to where those things come together. That's good for the environment and, you know, doesn't, really sacrifice on on too much so yeah stay with us i guess uh, you know, <laughs> it Fits into the plant-based uh, meat world too yeah well ian you know thank you so much for joining us it has been really enlightening um i know more about packaging i think than i ever did before now
1: mm-hmm. i appreciate I- you taking the time again uh this is something we're passionate about we spend a lot of our time focused on and uh happy to uh to to answer any questions you guys have
0: yeah, well, I guess the question before I let you go is, I ask everyone on here, and they usually tell me the website as I'm finding out. But where can people go if they want to learn more, if they want to get eco, you know, products, or just maybe yeah, pick your brain? Yeah, ecoproducts.com
1: is is always going to be the top. But I'll tell you, you know, one of the 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 areas of focus for us is to we need to evolve to become better storytellers digitally. Because to your point, these success stories about how the package is used, and I think it's it's just reflective of the fact that for many of the places that we're going to go from social media are going to echo our preferences that we established early on, um, how we kind of break through and talk to these success stories across broader audiences is something that eco products as a brand needs to do better going forward. So LinkedIn's a great place for content from our success stories as is Instagram. And, um, but our website is obviously a great place to start.
0: Cool. All right. Well, Ian, thank I'll you. Okay. Chase
1: you around the internet from there knowing how. <laughs> yeah
0: you got. we all got sales people they'll we'll, we'll hound you into oblivion eventually um at least on our side so all okay, right. well thank you ian so much i really appreciate it you know i'd be really interested to see you know what you come out with next of yeah. course this topic is is only going to evolve in my opinion i don't think it's getting stagnant ever you know because right. at the end of the day more people are getting food and packaging right so That's what it is. (laughs)
1: Yeah, we agree. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you at the next award ceremony.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely coming back. Um, All right, well, thank you, Ian. Um, Everybody out there listening, as always, we appreciate it.